Hello, this is Jacob from The Vine. I'm sorry, but we are late in posting the sermon from April 3rd, and here it is. Uh, The audio quality has a few issues. I hope you can make it through, and I hope you enjoy Micah's new sermon series. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thanks for being here with us this morning. Um, To our worship team this morning, let me say thank you. That was remarkable. If I can do something, that was a beautiful experience. This experience was present. Thank you for ushering us into that. Thank you so much for that time. Hey, I wanted to introduce you guys to someone that maybe you've met before. Uh, This is Dean Buck, and Dean works here at the school, and uh, and he is the reason we're able to gather here. And uh, I just appreciate Dean very much. does such a phenomenal job for us that just goes above and beyond so, so many times. So we're, we're really thankful to be, and uh, I've been excited about these since the day we met him. Uh, we came into the school here, and, and uh, we were going to ask, you know, talk to the principal, see if he could talk to Dean, see if it was a good possible use of space. And within just a couple moments of meeting Dean, he was presenting to the principal what we're wanting to do here. You know, like, uh, and that was really remarkable, uh, just the, the way he, uh, he wanted to participate. Yeah, he saw, he saw something in it. And uh, Dean's at a really exciting place in life right now. Uh, just over the course of the weekend at a, at a, at a scripture gathering, a church gathering, um, he's, uh, he's found um, just in his heart a desire to make a new visit. He wanted to express that publicly to us um, uh, for, for our sake and for his sake. Dean, Dean tell us where you're at. So, yeah, my name is Dean. Um, I'm a complete studying here at Sunset Theological Group. And, uh, yeah, I was down at a Revelation study down in Mount Water, And, uh, uh a little bit of that history. Uh, I, I've been a little unhappy with my life, and very concerning. I had I, um, I like my friends, I love my job, but there's something missing. So I said, okay, I'm going to try to lose weight. So I lose weight, I drop and bounce like crazy. There's still something missing. Okay, I'm going to try to start dating. Maybe that's the problem. Started dating. You know, my emotions are still up and down everywhere. And I was down at the study in Revelations, and I never heard before the Hebrew word for Armageddon means the decision. And it came to me that it was time to make a decision. And uh, I don't want to be ashamed of Christ's returns. And there's no way to be sure of your salvation unless you have a close walk with God. And so I decided to rededicate my life. And there's certain things in my life that are unhealthy for me. I have a relationship of personality. And it's consuming too much of my time, and my resources, and my attention. And so I decided to send an email to my friends. And, uh, and the funny thing is, uh, I was spiritual. I don't have a problem with email ever. And I can only type one word every 30 seconds. So it took me 20 minutes to do a fairly simple email. And I'm typing this email, and it's like, I, I'm just, I'm not giving excuses, but I'm giving reasons, and it occurred to me. Uh, it, I was paraphrasing in my mind, but I'll read it further into number 26. And the international says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, some man will be ashamed of them. When he comes into his glory, the glory of his father and his holy angels. And I realized, you know, I don't want to be ashamed of it. So I put down at the end that prayer, gave my reasons. I said, 
I, I talked about changes in my life and said, I did in my life with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to see him on Saturday, and I'm going to talk to the person. I'm going to see someone today. And, uh, um, and then it got put on my heart again. You know, uh, when people ask me here at school, I, I'm, they're going to say, I was pretty great. And if they ask me what I do, I was pretty great. And you think, well, I'm going to stay and I work in a school, so that's scary. I'm, uh, I'm also excited because I'm, I'm really wanting to see the Jesus bring fruit on the world tree. His life with Jesus and was baptized. We've done it longer ever ago. It was so cold and it was so beautiful. Uh, and this guy's just on fire. So I want to pray for both of you just, just briefly here. Uh, Father God, we thank you for being. We thank you for being. We thank you for new life. We thank you for hope that is found in Jesus. So Father, I pray that you will just pour blessings into their lives, that they can experience your love and nearness. Um, and because of that, Father, live differently and be light. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dean. That was a beautiful testimony. We appreciate you so much. Okay, so um, we have a number of visitors here today, uh, and quite a few uh, last week. So let me just say thanks for being here. Uh, we are a small, uh, just a, a new church in the Tri-Cities, a non-denominational church. Um, we're about six months in, and we are excited to see God doing some incredible things in the lives of individuals, uh, in, in our community, um, as our branches gather. We are excited for what God is inviting us into. Let me also mention that hey, we love the faith community in the Tri-Cities. There's a lot of great churches in the area, um, and, and we're excited to be one of those. In partnership with so many people of faith, trying to bring uh, hope and help to our community. So um, we, we, we just feel grateful to be in the place that we're, we are and moving forward. Um, so for some time, as a church, we've been studying in Luke. Uh, we've been in a series studying Luke, the story of Jesus, and though some of us know the story well, and some of us are quite new to it. Um, we've been trying to hear this story just through new years, and, and we've been finding such depth and beauty in the words of Jesus and the life that he lived. And last Sunday, as we considered the resurrection, um, we, we reflected on uh, this moment where Jesus appears to his disciples. He approaches their table, and he says to them, Peace be with you. A risen Savior comes, reveals himself to his followers, and he says, Peace be with you. And, uh, and instead of a few verses earlier, as he was explaining to others what had happened, it said he began with Moses to explain to them all of the scriptures and how he, Jesus, and his death and resurrection was the power and the hope for humanity. And so today we're beginning, uh, we're going to break into our series on Luke with, with um, a small series for the next few weeks where we explore the story of God um, and, and how God has been working. Uh, had been working for thousands of years to the Israelite people uh, to bring about the hope found in Jesus for all of humanity. And so today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12, as, Jesus, as, as, uh, as God calls a man named Abram in the covenant relationship. Uh, do you remember, I'm going to, to try to get us into the moment of, of uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to dredge up some old and painful memories okay, for, some, for some of us. Um, do you remember in PE class on the playground picking teams? Do, do you remember when the, the duty or the coach or someone picks the two best athletes in the class 
And the rest of us stand in that crowd, wondering, am I going to be the last one? Right? You're, you're in that? And um, it, it was horrifying. It was terrifying. And you're looking around, and you're comparing yourself to everyone else in the crowd, wondering, am I better than them? And I think sometimes, sometimes we read the Old Testament through that thing. And you ever ask these questions of, why the Israelites? Why, why did God have this relationship with them? And what about everyone else? Like, what's, what's God doing picking teams? This just doesn't make any sense. Right? This doesn't resonate with the God of love and mercy and grace that we talk about all the time. What's, what's with this exclusive relationship? I don't know if you've ever asked those questions. Those are questions that I have certainly asked in my life. And I think the reason we understand it that way, I, I think it's a misunderstanding. And today we're going to look at the beginning of that relationship with the Israelite people. And we're going to explore what did God call them into and why did he call them? Was he picking teams? Was he the good athlete on the playground that everyone else feels left out? Or did God have a much bigger, more beautiful perspective in mind the Israelite people? Um, that will culminate in Jesus. So let's explore together. Genesis chapter 12 is where we are. Um, we're going to hit all of five verses this morning. It's, uh, um, it's a short passage with such depth. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord, uh, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, leave your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show. So I think it's important to note, uh, it's easy in these stories of, of the Old Testament to think of uh, the character as the main character, to think of Abram as the main character in the story. But let me just propose that the main character in this story is God. Uh, in fact, in all of the Old Testament, I think we would read it, understand it differently, and, and have a much healthier perspective if we to read these stories with the perspective of God is the main character in the story. God is doing amazing things through these people. God is correcting and teaching these people these things, but God is the main character. So I just want to briefly mention that, that as we read this, we're looking at, so who is God? What is he doing here in these people? And why is he talking to this man, Abram? Now, Abram, he was an ordinary man. 75 years old, he had no children, and he was fairly well. Abram is certainly at a, at a place in his life right now when God comes and speaks to him, where he is, he is asking, what happens next? Without, without an heir, without a child to pass on his inheritance to, in, in this era, um, uh, he is really a child. And, and just to not be able to have children in general, I mean, that is a big black lot in his life. That is, that is a reason for stress in his life. But at 75 years old, an ordinary man, God comes and he speaks to him. And he says to this man, Leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land. So, this God who is the main character comes to Abram and he says, I want you to leave. I want you to go. And it's interesting to me that in his initial call of Abram, he doesn't say where you're going to, but instead that I will show it to you. And I think it's interesting to consider the nature of God. And so many times in our lives, each of us find ourselves saying, So, God, what is your will for you? What is next? I just want to know it right now. Uh, it's interesting to see in God's nature as he calls Abram, as he begins this epic story of the Israelite people. He says, And I'll show it to you. But his first call is, I want you to go. I want, I want you to walk with me. I want you to begin your journey, and I'll work with you, and I will reveal it to you 
as we go. I think that's an interesting um, uh, piece of the nature of God. Now, God doesn't always work in that way. There's times that he will be very clear and specific in our calling, but it's interesting here. In, in the great story, the, the, the piece of, uh, of the Old Testament that begins the entire history of the Israelite people, God says, go. And you'll learn the work later. He says, to leave your country and your father's household. It's moment for Abram is not an easy one. And I reflect on our lives and, and my life, and I imagine, you know, just God's calling in my life. It's not always easy and not always comfortable. And callings can be big. Uh, callings can be uh, overseas mission trips. They can be uh, to move to another country to live there on mission. It can be to move to a new community, a new area. And then, and then again, callings can also be quite ordinary and every day. And, and well, well, I'm not one that's experienced hearing the voice of God in any audible way. I, I definitely feel like on a very regular basis, God is impressing upon me um, his, his call. Um, a hurting person in my life, a, a relationship that needs restored, a person in need that I'm walking by, my spouse, my wife that's having a, a hard day. God is placing callings in our lives saying, I have something for you today. So God calls us, and sometimes they're huge, and sometimes they're ordinary. Uh, it always takes a leap of faith to answer those callings. And so, well, Abram isn't the main character in the story, nor is he to be praised as something amazing. Uh, Abram does show a remarkable amount of faith. And so, as, as we reflect on, you know, how can I learn and, and grow from the story at hand? Well, we learn in our understanding of God here today, um, and we also uh, learn from the example of Abram, that, that it takes faith to walk the journey that God has called us to. In verse 2, God says this. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse. Um, and all the peoples of earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, and as the Lord told him, and was about 75 years old, and he set out. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Aaron, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. I do think that last little bit is interesting as um, uh, we consider um, that, that Abram immediately goes to the land that God had promised. Imagine him and, and his wife, uh, his nephew, and his nephew's family in this massive land of Canaan. That, that hundreds of years later, God is going to give to this great nation. But here they are in the presence of a great nation, ability to just take the nation, uh, maybe not even yet envision for the fact that this is to be theirs, but here they are in that place. And, and the Israelite story is, is long and vast, and many twists and turns, and we'll just hit a couple pieces of, pieces of it in the weeks to come. But they move straight there to that place, and they find themselves standing uh, in faith, having walked, having, having traveled to the place that God had promised. God says to him in this covenant that he's making, in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. Uh, notice 
the subject of power in the story. He doesn't say, Abram, if you try hard, you will be a great nation. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. This, is, this was God's promise of Abraham to Abraham. He says, I'll make you into a vast nation, which is phenomenal to think. A 75-year-old man who's fighting, he cannot have children would become a great nation. And you can imagine that this should be one of the places that Abram says, it's, I don't help, this doesn't make any sense, right? He says, I don't think it happened that way. And in fact, they do question God. 25 years later, uh, when God comes back to them saying, you're going to have a son. A 25-year gap where they continue to wait on, on God's son building fruition from that promise. Of God, you can imagine that season. Many of us have experienced those seasons of mind where we feel called, and yet we don't see the opportunity, and we don't see the things coming together. We believe God is working in our lives. But God promises that I will make you into a great nation. He says, I will bless you. And then at the end of verse 2, there, you will be a blessing. Now, this is a pivotal, maybe small, or maybe huge shift in our understanding. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And that's God's promises to a man named Abram. And then God says, and you will be a blessing. And just to make sure Abram didn't miss his point, which, by the way, Israel did miss his point. I think sometimes I have missed this point. Just to make sure we don't miss his point, at the end of verse 3, he says it again. And all the peoples on earth be blessed through you. And so we begin to catch this as a glimpse of God's purpose in calling him. Maybe he's not uh, the athlete uh, picking teams and choosing favorites. But maybe instead, God had in store for Abram and the Israelite people a challenging um, yet beautiful journey in which God intended to bless the entire world through these people. He says that, that you will be a blessing. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. And so you start to ask, so what is the purpose of this covenant that God is making with Abram? Is it that, that Abram gets all this cool stuff and the Israelite people get all this blessing? Or is it that God is inviting them to participate in his global mission and plan for the world? And, and I think it's the latter. Um, I once read an illustration in a book. I think it's uh, the book, The Light of Nation, by Go Um And uh, he, he spoke of um, some explorers stuck in a cave. Uh, rocks had caved in the entrance, and they were trapped in a cave. Yet there was one person uh, that they were able to help slip through a crack and get out to safety and to freedom. And just imagine for a moment, if, if as the team came together and they were able to get this man out of the cave, that he walks home and he cracks open his drink and he sits down on his couch and he says, now thank goodness that I was saved. Now he was chosen by the people because he had a unique ability and opportunity to go and get help and, and to bring people back and, and to save the group. He was the chosen for the sake of the group, not chosen for his own sake and personal one. And so, so that's the illustration that, that he tried to paint in this in this book that, that God chose Abram. Yes, God's choosing of Abram was for the purpose of the world that Abram would become a great and a blessed nation, that the entire world 
would be impacted by what is happening. Now we won't get into the completion, the fruition of that promise yet, because that's, that's kind of the series that we're on as it culminates with Jesus. But instead today, it will resonate just a little more in this relationship between God and His chosen people. We won't read it today, but in Genesis chapter 15, if you want to read it later, it's a little bit of a challenging read, but I encourage you to go there. Um, God establishes this covenant between Him and Abraham. Now, covenant, that's not a very relevant or modern term. Or like, can't you come up with something a little bit more modern for us than the word covenant? And I think the answer is no, because covenant doesn't really exist in our culture. It, it doesn't, there's, there's no equivalent to what, um, what God is establishing with Abram here. And, and I'll explain that in a little bit more detail. The description in Genesis chapter 15 is that Abram is to bring uh, these animals and to sacrifice them. That was, a, that was a, a, a practice of the day. And to divide the animals and have to, to split the animal. And, and uh, a covenant that was created between two people um, with the lesser party. So if a, if a ruler was to make a covenant with a lesser person, that lesser person is to walk in between those animals that have been sacrificed and divided. Um, demonstrating before the whole community that's invited to witness this covenant being made between two people. Uh, he's to walk between those animals uh, to illustrate, should I break this covenant, may I be torn in two. And in Genesis chapter 15, God is establishing a covenant with Abraham. And he uses that, that culture of the day, and Abraham makes the sacrifices and divides the animals. And naturally, the next step would be for Abraham to walk through this. And to make that covenant, I will be faithful to God, or, or may I be torn in two. And here's the fascinating thing that happens in Genesis chapter 15. God passes. And the covenant is established with God saying, should you or I break covenant, I'll be torn. And it gives whole meaning and depth and beauty and perspective to the sacrifice that Jesus made as Israel time and time again breaks covenant with God. But God said from the beginning, I will take the punishment of a breach of contract. Now that is the loving God that calls people into his presence to accomplish his purpose. That is the life that we get to live today, knowing that I am called into covenant, I am called into a relationship that has expectation, right? That, that I participate in my part of a covenant, but when I fall short, God has taken punishment breach of that contract. But I receive forgiveness and grace because God has played that part in this covenant relationship. And so today in our culture, I mean, covenant, it, we live in a written culture. And so verbal, uh, verbal promises are hardly have depth or meaning to them, right? We, we write really long contracts, and we sign our name at the bottom when we create a contract. But covenant is different. It's maybe a little bit more like the, a marriage relationship, where we say, for better or worse, richer or sickness and in hell, till death do us part. That's a lot closer. And yet we live in a time in which even that sort of covenant relationship is, is quite challenged culturally. You see, we live in a consumeristic culture. 
Now, consumer relationships are different than covenant relationships. Let me just say, consumer relationships are not bad. For instance, I have a favorite restaurant. I go to that restaurant, and I know uh, the waitress and the waiters there, and I, and I talk with them, and I pay them money, and I receive my food, and it's great. That is a consumer relationship. It's a consumer relationship because we're there to be a better restaurant with better service and cheaper prices. Come closer to my home. I very well might switch and, and start eating at that other restaurant. Right? That's a, that's a consumer relationship. Nothing wrong with The problem is when we confuse covenant relationships for these consumer relationships. When instead of vows that say, no matter what, rich or poor, sickness, health, doesn't matter, I am for you, if instead we create consumer relationships to say, as long as this is good for me, as long as I like this, I'm in. And, and culturally, we're struggling. I don't want to limit this to a marriage relationship, and I know there are, I know some of us in this room have experienced that, where someone has said it's not good for me and can walk away. And, and I'm sorry, that's tragic. I think that's one of the places in our in our culture and society where we see this breakdown, where we have become so consumer related. We we don't we don't consume to live, but we live to consume, right? And, and it happens in our relationships in every aspect of life. But this day, on this day, in Genesis chapter 12 and in Genesis chapter 15, God calls Abram into a different kind of relationship, into a covenant relationship, in which there is opportunity and obligation on both parts. A, a covenant relationship that is to last and to determine it is, is what God invited him to do. And so today, as we begin, as we, as we conclude, I want to turn then the lens of this conversation on us as followers of Jesus. I want to consider that God has invited us uh, just in, in the, over the course of the last week in a really special way, me and Daniel and all of us on some level. God has invited us into covenant relationship. A relationship in which God promises blessing. And God invites us to participate in a global relationship. You see, as soon as we start to perceive salvation as this personal opportunity, we lose sight of God's plan and perspective. Because let me say this, yes, Jesus died because he loved you specifically. And yes, Jesus died to save you specifically. Yes, to all of us, right? And yet, this is a perspective I want to challenge us with out of the story of Abraham, the way that God calls him in his relationship. God chose and called and saved you, not simply for your own sake, but for the sake of your neighbor, for the sake of your relatives, for the sake of the world. That God called us and chose us and loved us, loved us because of us specifically and personally, but because he has a greater mission that he's inviting us into. I hope that you'll reflect on that. In, in the days to come, over the week ahead, to realize that, that God has been so gracious and good to us, and God has invited us into an opportunity to participate in His greatness in the world around us. And God has loved us and blessed us, but not solely for our own benefit, but instead for the benefit of the world. I want to invite us all to consider as a church and our how can we live in ways that we are a light to the nations? 
that rather than forgetting the covenant opportunity, uh, that we are living in ways to shine Jesus' light in the world around us. We are agents of God's blessing. Let's pray about that. Father God, we thank you for this day and this time. Thank you for an opportunity to explore your word, calling of Abram, and the opportunity that, 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 uh, that he had to be blessed and to live with blessing. And Father, in turn, as your people, we pray that wherever we're at on our faith journey, Father, we receive blessings, invite us in a covenant relationship, and we, we are able to bless the people around us in the ways that we Father, we thank you for your love. For us, we thank you for your love for all humanity in this beautiful world that you created. And pray that you will help us to be your agents. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.